You know, one of the great things about a really good story is that when you hear it again, it brings something new. I remember I had to read To Kill a Mockingbird, probably you did too. And, and my favorite scene in that book as a kid was when uh, there was this rabid dog and Atticus, who Scout thinks is afraid of guns, finally reluctantly picks up the rifle and shoots the dog hundreds of yards away. I thought, ooh, how cool is that? But when I was an adult and I read it again, my favorite part became at the end of the trial, Scout is up in the African-American section, the blacks only section at the top, watching the trial and everybody else leaves but Atticus and then Atticus starts to walk out and the black foreman nudges Scout and says, honey, stand up, your father's passing by. I love that. Rich told a story from John chapter four about living water that we all need, that this woman needed desperately. And and for 2,000 years, we've heard that story told and many of you have received the living water and others of you would like another sip. And that's a big part of the story in John chapter 4. And when we talk about extending the invitation boldly, we said that boldly stands with you begin with prayer. If you're going to talk to somebody, begin with prayers of blessing for them. Last week, Petey said, if you're going to extend the invitation of living water, you need to open the table Give them a place to come, invite them into your life. And today, we want to talk about what happens when you're face-to-face with that person and you have the chance to tell them. And the answer is don't tell them. Open the story instead. And when you open the story of John's gospel, it says that Jesus left Judea, down there where Jerusalem is, to return to his home in the Galilee, up north. And he felt like he had to go through Samaria. That's the shortcut to the Galilee, but Jews never went through Samaria because they hated the Samaritans. But Jesus felt like he had to go through Samaria, so he he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near Jacob's well, and he sat down tired from the journey by that well at about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus asked her, will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. You're a man, I'm a woman. How can you even talk to me, much less ask for a drink? Because Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who asked you for a drink, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. The woman says, hey, the well is deep, sir. You don't have a bucket. Where do you get the living water? Are you better than Jacob, our common ancestor? And Jesus said, everybody who drinks the water of this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become a spring of water for eternal life. 
And the woman very sarcastically says, oh, then, sir, give me this water so I won't have to drag the bucket here every day. And Jesus said, well, go and call your husband and have him come back to us. And she replied, I don't, I don't have a husband. And, and Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man with you now isn't your husband. And so the woman says to Jesus, shut up. How did you know that? It's right there in the Bible. <laughs> well, actually, what it says in the Bible is, sir, I can see you're a prophet. But what she's really saying is, how do you know that? And then they start to talk, Jesus and this woman, about where God could be found. And it ends up with the woman saying, I know that, that the Messiah, the one they call the Christ, is going to come and, and he'll explain everything to us. It says, and then Jesus declared, that's me. I'm the one talking to you. Just then, Jesus' disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. Because you don't talk to a woman who's not your wife, but nobody asked him, what, what are you doing, or why are you talking with her, or, or what do you want? And the woman left her bucket right there and went back into town and told the people, you got to come and see this. There's a man who told me everything I ever did. That is, this guy knew all my secrets. Could this be the Messiah? And so the Samaritans came from town to Jesus, and many of them believed because the woman said, he knew all my secrets. And they urged Jesus to stay, and he stayed in Samaria two more days. And, and because of his teaching, many of them started to believe, and they turned to the woman and said, you know, we don't just believe because of what you said. Now we've heard it for ourselves. We know that this man, he really is the savior of the world. That's all because of a little shortcut that turned into a big detour. It's all, all because uh, at a little rest stop, lives were changed. It's, it's all because when he wanted to be alone, somebody that nobody thought was anybody came up and Jesus started to talk to him. That's another side of the same story. I started to learn that probably uh, 25 years or so ago. Many of you were hearing Jim Singleton the last hour. Uh, Jim and, uh, is a professor, and he helped start this eco-denomination we're in, and we have the same mentor. He's an old man now. 25 years ago, we were our young hotshots. We thought we were hot stuff, and he came to me one day, and he said, uh, John, the church is growing. That's great, but I have some advice for you. I said, sure, Leighton, what's up? He, he said, John, I need you to walk slowly through the room. You need to walk slowly through the room. He said, when people get a little success, they get puffed up and they, they run through the room. They're too busy. They, they're going on to the next thing. And when they see somebody, they're looking over that person's shoulder to see if there's somebody more important that they ought to talk to. Then, John, you need to walk slowly through the room. And then he said, you know, Jesus walked slowly through the room. And because Jesus walked slowly, he saw what nobody else saw. Because Jesus walked slowly, he heard what nobody else heard. And, and I thought about the time that Jesus was walking into a town and there's some beggars over there like they always are. 
and they're standing, and nobody else saw them, and Jesus saw that there were 10 lepers, and he went over to them, and he healed them. Nobody else saw him. Jesus is walking with a crowd. In the middle of the crowd, he sees a guy up in a tree hiding. And he stops the crowd and he points out and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. Not to mock him, but to say, let's be together. Jesus, in the middle of a crowd, like he's going to a Vikings game, he's bumping into everybody. In the middle of a crowd, he stops and he says, who touched me? And people go, who touched you? Everybody. But a woman had come up and touched him, hoping that just touching Jesus would heal her. And Jesus saw her. Or he's in a big party, like we're all in parties. And there's a woman nobody else sees that starts to wash his feet and turns to the host and he goes, Simon, do you see this woman? No, I mean, do you see this woman? Jesus walked slowly through the room and he saw things that you miss if you go quick. The Pharisees are walking through the same, they're going through the same rooms that Jesus is. The Pharisees have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. And it's in part because the Pharisees are already sure they have the right answers. And it's in part because they're walking through the room a little too fast. So I guess I want to ask you how fast you're walking through the room of your life. Are, are you walking slowly enough through the room that you can see people the way that Jesus does? Has Jesus stopped near you lately? Now I gotta tell you, sometimes for me, it's not that I don't have time, it's that I don't wanna see. Anybody have the, ever have the idea you see a person coming through the door and you're going, where, where can I turn, where can I turn? Uh, you, somebody's over there and you see them and you don't wanna talk to them. Anybody ever have that feeling? Anybody sitting next to a person who lies? We've all had that experience, right? It could be the kid at school sitting alone and he looks at you and you know that you don't want to sit with him. Or the needy guy at the office near the copy machine and you walk by, you have to make a copy, but you walk by because you don't have an extra 10 minutes to talk to him. Or we've all had that experience of coming up to the intersection and there's a panhandler there and you've memorized the looking straight ahead or somebody who looks a little different comes walking your way. We often have eyes but don't see. We often have ears but we don't hear. It works the same way, doesn't it? How many times have you yelled, come to dinner and nobody's listening? Time for bed, nobody hears. That tie doesn't match, and you go out the door anyway. <laughs> Do you have time to spend with me? And you don't. We look over our shoulder for the next person, the next conversation. Jesus sits down at the well, because he knows that everybody that he bumps into has an unknown story. And if we could just see it or hear it, their life might be different. In today's story, Jesus sees what nobody else sees in a despised Samaritan woman. 
Three words that all mean the same thing in his day. And then Jesus looks at her and listens to her as if she's the only person in the world. The woman mocks Jesus for not having a bucket, but she's dying of thirst on the inside. The woman pretends that she's got it all together, but he sees that she's been abandoned one way or the other at least five different times, and and she's alone. You know why she's alone? She is alone for the same reason that many people are alone when they shop at Walmart at 2 o'clock in the morning. If you ever go to Walmart or one of these places at 2 o'clock in the morning, you'll see a whole different side of our society. People who don't want to walk up and down the aisle at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This is a Samaritan and a woman and a failure, and he sees all that. And he doesn't offer judgment. He offers water. Water to wash you clean and water to give you life. He sees something inside of her that is extraordinary. That the disciples never would have seen. That I never would have seen. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors, and he wrote a, a book of essays called The Weight of Glory. And in The Weight of Glory, he, he says this, you've never met an ordinary person. There are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal being. Nations and cultures and arts and civilization, civilizations, these are all mortal. Their life is like a gnat. Remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you ever talked to may one day be a creature that if you saw them now, you'd be tempted to bow down and worship them, or they are a horror that you would scream away from in a nightmare. It is immortals with whom we joke, with whom we work, who we marry, who we snub, who we exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. That's who we bump into. All day long, in some degree, we are helping each other to become one of these two destinations. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Every week that I have, between now and Christmas Eve, I want to say to you, the most important thing you hear today is that you are not who you think you are. You are an eternal being destined to flourish forever in an everlasting universe. And anything that you do is nothing compared to what you are becoming. Jesus sits down at a well and the local hag who is four steps below a hooker comes and sits next to him And he treats her as though she is an everlasting splendor. Jesus teaches his followers, listen, look below the surface for the cry of the heart. And for God's sake, don't try to fix them. That's what we do. Church people try to fix other people or persuade other people. Jesus says, let them see you. Let them know you. Let them be cared. We don't have to fix people. 
We're called to be with people, to be present and look and listen. People trust Jesus like this woman. This woman trusted in Jesus because he knew everything about her, knew all her secrets, and offered his life anyway. She says, this is the first man that's ever seen my heart and left me feeling like I was a beloved child instead of a problem. Do you look at people that way during your day? Or are you just going like this in the checkout counter? I I, I learned this one slow. 1976, I'm out of college a couple years, have no idea what to do. Uh, Interested in politics, ask a couple of my friends who have friends, and so I get a week uh, to spend with some Congress people and some senators just making the rounds trying to figure this out, and I had the opportunity to spend three days with the chaplain of the Senate, who was a Presbyterian pastor named Dick Halverson, and Halverson took me around. He was an old guy. He must have been 60 years old, and... uh, (laughs) And, and he does these little Bible studies, and he meets one-on-one, he opens up the Senate in prayer, and he's, he's most just hanging around with people. And one day, uh, he is in a little knot of senators, and a bell starts to go off in the Senate office building, which means that there's going to be a vote on the floor of the Senate. And in the Senate, you, uh, the senators know that they can go downstairs into the basement, and there's a shuttle car that runs under the street to the Capitol, and then you come up and you're there in time to vote. And you can only go there if you're a senator or you're with a senator. So I'm, I'm going down in the elevator with these senators, and there are three senators in the elevator with me, and they start to talk and they start to argue. And Senator Ted Kennedy is right here. And Senator Hubert Humphrey is right there. And I was with Senator Mark Hatfield, and I was trying to hide. And we get out of the elevator and go into the shuttle bus and Senator Humphrey is here and Senator Kennedy is there. Senator Hatfield's on the other side. He's holding the door open for the chaplain and they start arguing, these two. And Humphrey, I'll just never forget his voice. It's a squeaky little voice. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Teddy. Teddy, the bill is wrong and it's never gonna pass and it's immoral and it's wrong. And he starts banging on my knee to make his point. And I'm wishing I could just disappear. And Senator Hatfield's holding the door, looking out, and the, the chaplain's not coming. It, I felt like 10 minutes. It was probably 45 seconds. Finally, Chaplain Halverson gets into the car, sits down, and the, they take off. And he turns to Senator Hatfield, and, and he says, uh, says, Eddie says his grandson's going to be okay. Eddie? Eddie was the elevator operator. And Chaplain Halverson had been talking to him about his grandson, who he called by name, I can't remember his name, and he called him by name, and he had been praying for him for a couple weeks, and he stopped to ask how the operation had gone, and he's going to be okay. And he kept three United States senators waiting while he talked to the elevator guy. And in that second, I realized I didn't want to be a senator. I wanted to be the guy that made the senators wait so we could talk to the elevator guy. <laughs> and ever since then, I've, I've been thinking about that. 1976, Dick Halverson sees what other people don't see. 2006, I'm telling this story not because I'm cool. I'm telling this story only because... You'll see. I, I, uh, I am invited to open the House of Representatives with prayer. 
because of you. And so I go, and I go to the Capitol, and then you go inside, and the Speaker of the House gavels the meeting to order, and I get up, and all I can think about is DeCalverson, and I start to pray. I've given the prayer some thought for a change, and I pray for the issues of the day, and I pray for all these men and women who are called to make wise, courageous decisions, and I, I pray for them. And Lord, I, I, I pray for the elevator operators, and, I, and God, I ask you to bless today the women who right now are cleaning out the toilets here. Amen. And so I get down and I start to uh, walk through on, on my way out. And Congressman John Lewis comes up to me and uh, he says, you know, I haven't heard anybody pray like that since DeCalberson. <laughs> and I thought, maybe I'm getting it just, just a little. Jesus saw who nobody else saw. And he heard what nobody else heard. And it made all the difference. But I'm a slow learner, guys. I walk too fast. You walk too fast. I don't see. I don't listen. I need to be reminded of that. This last week, I didn't have to preach. PD did a great job. And so I, afterwards, I'm just schmoozing, you know, and trying to get done so I can get, leave the 11 o'clock service early and go to the football game. And I'm, I'm going through... And I look over and there's noise in the Westview. And so I pop into the new Westview room and they have a, a worship service. The Mosaic service is now at 11 o'clock once a month in uh, the Westview room. And, and this, I asked for a picture of it. This is a terrible picture. And, and yet it's probably perfect. Because our Mosaic service is for people who are challenged by people who are challenged emotionally and physically and mentally. And the reason I say this is a good picture is you're gonna to have to look and see what nobody else sees. Can you see the young woman up on stage in a wheelchair and the person helping her sing? Can you see the young man with the big forehead with the castanets like this who's banging away on those castanets? He couldn't keep time for nothing. See the woman, the young woman, big girl, with a piece of paper in her hand where she's going to read the prayer she can't read. But she can lead us in worship. Think what I would have missed. Think what you can miss. Think what Jesus could do if you could walk slowly through the room and listen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my sisters and brothers here in our shiny new building, in our neat lives. I pray that your story of this woman at the well that nobody else saw and nobody else heard, I thank you that she got water for her soul. And the first thing she did was to run into town and share that water with other people. Bless us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.